Welcome to Walking After Foo, the album by album discussion podcast of all things Foo Fighters. I'm your host, Andrew Williamson. Here with me, as always, we have Peter Kennigsberg and Marissa Monti. Hello, hello. Hello. We have a very exciting show today. Uh, you're, we are recording this the day that the Medicine at Midnight album uh, episode dropped, which means we are in bonus material. Bonus Woo! round. And we are going to have a pretty good one. We are going to be talking today about the only live Foo Fighters album, Skin and Bones. Skin and Bones. 2006. That's right. Right in between In Your Honor and Echo Sounds, Patience and Grace comes Skin and Bones, released November 7th, 2006, but recorded in a three-day appearance at the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles from August 29th through 31st. And features, of course, that cast of characters from the 06 Foo Fighters and goes through their entire history to, to that point. It's a pretty interesting album uh, because it was came out using material from a tour that was an acoustic tour after doing a lengthy around the world uh, electric rock show. Uh, they decided to do a more slim back tour, not the giant arenas they were playing, but theaters uh, with a doubled Foo Fighters cast of uh, musicians with them, including two future members. Uh, and they did a lot of songs from the second half of the In Your Honor album, as well as a bunch of songs that they really don't play that often and songs they do play a lot uh, that are just in new acoustic arrangements. It's really interesting, not only that it's the only time that you have a live uh album out by the Foo Fighters but it's in in my mind just one of the best uh examples of just what their live show can be I mean I think we've seen them a combined you know maybe even up to 10 times at this point uh between the three of us and we've gotten a sense of their theatrics and how they like to put their show together and uh you know how they like to highlight each band member and I think the Skin and Bones gives no exception to just what you can expect from a proper Foo Fighters show so as a reminder, before we dive into it, as Andrew said, you listen to Walking After Foo, a part of the Music Unsubscribed Network. Go on to anchor.fm slash music to hear all of our coverage on all 10 studio LPs of the Foo Fighters, as well as many other topics that we cover in the music world. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available. And talk with us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Music Unsubpod to learn more. Today, it's all about Skin and Bones. Andrew, tell me a little bit about your experience with Skin and Bones when it first came out. When this first came out, I actually remember wanting to get tickets to this tour when they came into New York, into the New York area. Uh, I think this album, I think this came out, um, yeah, this came out in November of 06. I had been listening to them at the beginning of 06, especially the In Your Honor album, and they went on tour that summer doing the acoustic tour and I wanted to get tickets, but I couldn't because of some reason, I don't know. But uh, when it came out, I bought the CD, I bought the DVD. Uh, so a lot of my, I spent a lot of time listening to this pretty obsessively. This became my favorite band and the acoustic, this, these acoustic renditions really uh, excited me uh, in the lead up to Echo Silence, Patience and Grace. I was in eighth grade (laughs) Um, and I don't think that I had fallen in love with the Foo Fighters as much quite yet. And so like I knew of them, I knew 
I knew of the singles, I knew of the songs that like I, you know, had just come across or happened upon. Um, but it was kind of like it kind of predates like the 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 journey of on like my music journey that I kind of went on in high school so like it was kind of right in the middle there and I think I kind of missed this album um but you know so I feel like having listened to it after the fact is where I've gotten more experience with it you know but you're going to appreciate that yeah I mean I definitely definitely appreciate it I I think it's an interesting choice and I don't say funny choice, but like, I know food, I just, I feel like they always make like choices that you don't necessarily, you know, think they're going to make or just are kind of surprises, but like as, as a live album, I think it's a, it's a strange choice, right? Um, this is certainly not a representation of what they usually sound like live. Um, and so for anyone who has never seen them live, uh, you know, if they listen to this, it's like, it's, on one hand, it's like nothing like what you're going to get at a live show, um, usually, which also kind of makes it great because it, it makes it different from like everything else. Um, it's not just a rehash of all the songs uh, from their previous albums, um, you know, so I, I think it is an interesting, it's still a very interesting album, even though it's just, you know, a lot of songs that people might have come across before. And it's not a set list that they're really running with these days. I think there's maybe in the 15 track part of it, the main part of it, maybe about five songs that are still in the lineup and not necessarily in that order, though maybe close to it. So it's a really good snapshot in time of 2006 Foo Fighters coming off of a double LP and what they decide is going to make a 15 track listing. The DVD uh, has 21 tracks one of them is an intro right. but like this it, it's just the full concert so there's five tracks that didn't make the uh that didn't make you know the single disc uh you know uh skin and bones out al- album proper but i think it's just really it, it's great let's yeah let's dive let's dive in so let's dive in to the full track listing, uh, starting with the CD track listing. Um, we're going to uh, go through, I think, a couple of these pretty quickly because uh, you know some arrangements are pretty similar to how they are in the studio, but we'll make sure we highlight the ones where there's something you need to point out, but we'll make sure you understand the full thing. It starts with a six-minute, 48-second track, Razor. So, Andrew, I don't know if there's anything unique you want to highlight about this opening track, but I think... It's pretty standard. Not too much. It's pretty. DLP. It's pretty much like what you get yeah. from the album. The only difference is, is they get that build up at the end to introduce the entire band because I think it did start off with just Dave by himself, and then everyone comes out, and now all of a sudden there's eight people on stage. <laughs> it's the guy. It, it's it's a really good intro. It kind of speaks a lot to the intros that they are doing nowadays. I I remember when you and I saw them at City Field. They had the big curtain that pulled back. I think you had first heard like Dave Grohl screaming, and then the curtain comes up. I think in uh, Cal Jam when we saw them. I, I feel like it's a it's a historical thing where Dave makes a presence, and then the rest of the band makes one too. Um, they they alternate sometimes, but I think it's they they like that that feeling of kind of progressing. Uh, to you know, a, a nice crescendo, nice, nice point, um, which takes us into uh, track two, over and out. So, Marissa, I uh, just want to get your quick thoughts on this one. You know, I, I do think that it was interesting for them to choose these two songs to kind of open with. I don't, I don't know if I would have thought of them as openers, but um, I think it definitely does then lend it, itself to the flow of the other, the other songs that follow. But no specific thoughts really. 
Andrew, any anything from you? Any, anything specific you were interested in seeing this? I think the only two? thing that is that uh, you do get to see the like again highlighting people that are playing with them. The only thing that's really interesting is just that you get to have uh, Drew Hester, who's a percussionist, playing vibes. So you do get that, which is on the album. So you get to have that that vibe part on the album. That's something that's kind of cool that you wouldn't have gotten from a regular Foo Fighter show, even if they did do something like soft, you would never get the, like a vibraphone part. So it's kind of cool <laughs> that you get to have stuff like that in here. So the uh, classic vibraphone <laughs> underused in the history of Foo Fighters. Maybe they'll bring it back for album 11. Who knows? That would be great. <laughs> that would be cool. I'd like to see that. Yeah. And then track three is our namesake walking after you. So I was just happy just because walking after you is, is there. So anything oh, yeah. specific we want to, we want to call out on this one. I think the only thing is that it's just nice to see, like the last two songs were from In Your Honor. It makes sense that they'd be having that. It's kind of, this is where you get to see like, oh, we're going to pull songs in that we would never play live. Like something like Walking After You or anything soft from their stuff. It's like, oh, things like this or later Mm -hmm. down where you have like February stars. It's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, you're going to bring that in here. That's right. You wrote a soft song at one point. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it definitely was an opportunity opportunity for them to highlight, you know, that softer side that they've always had, but maybe just haven't showcased. They don't really have the opportunity yeah. to bring when they decide to, when they start off by playing, you know, to a giant stadium <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs. A song like doesn't this doesn't really fit. fit. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it fits with the name of the live album, Skin and Bones, getting down to the the bear you know, part the essentials of the music. So yeah, I was really happy to see that uh, there just, you know, because we are walking after Foo on this, on this podcast. So (laughs) that was good. But then track four is one we definitely want to talk about a little bit more Marigold. So Andrew, why don't you start us off? Explain this. This song um, is, as you've seen, and we've talked about, it's clearly not a Foo Fighter song. Uh, This is a song that was a B-side to one of the In Utero singles from Nirvana. Uh, they recorded this, I think they recorded it at some point when Kurt wasn't around and Dave was in the studio with Chris and they were like, well, we should try writing, let's try recording something. And he like had this song ready. So they released it as a B-side uh, to In Utero, uh, the only uh, Nirvana song that has Dave Grohl on vocals or that Kurt Cobain doesn't write. That's an original. So it's kind of cool in that sense. And apparently Dave used to get requests for this song all the time in the early days of Foo Fighters, because it was the only Dave Grohl written song that people knew. So kind of fun to see him bring it back uh, in after, you know, I don't know, it was at this point, probably like 10 years of, you know, being told, you know, of putting the song on Nirvana and then not being able to play it. What'd you think, Marissa, when you heard this one? knowing the history yeah i mean i thought it was really it was a really cool you know appearance you know and i i i don't think that um i would have expected it to you know if i, if I was there like in person i probably would have been like really like out of, like oh that's so cool you know like i would have never expected that um so i mean especially too because I, I i i know there are fans out i mean and then like even D, i feel like you know there people want to obviously keep that distance between Foo Fighters and Nirvana and like not always have Foo Fighters live in the shadow of Nirvana you know but um it is kind of cool to be able to 
follow that thread of Dave, <laughs> you know, from from pre Foo Fighters to what he's doing in Foo Fighters. So I was I was happy to see it. It's it's Dave tying up loose ends because this is the third song from the late EP Pocket Watch that the Foo Fighters record. So I'm gonna put Andrew on the spot here. Quiz: What are the other two songs from Pocket Watch that Foo Fighters re-recorded? In addition um, to Marigold. It's... I'm going to say from Pocket Watch. So it's going to be Marigold. I'm going to guess Friend of a Friend. Correct. And I'm going to say Winnebago. Look at that. Look at that. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And this is what happens when you spend way too much time on Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Don't reveal our sources. (laughs) (laughs) but that's right and that's what that's what makes this a little part of history and so i just thought it was really cool and fascinating that well i think this was now five albums into the Foo fighters history dave girls already looking back on nirvana he is he's you know kind of like we talked about in medicine midnight pat smear reaching back to old chords to you know create songs like cloud spotter here dave is reaching back into his old library to to revive some songs so that was really really cool to see and so i'm, I'm glad that he was able to bring that back into the fold that it has a proper place on an album and it's recorded um because that was also uh, played throughout the entire tour for uh for in your honor so the fact that it was it was saved here is uh, is excellent um and then it goes into song that i know we all know my hero i mean you know we can go on about that one but we all know just how excellent that is um and so we'll we'll, we'll just let you at home you know listen to it for the umpteenth time <laughs> as i'm sure it's a good version i would yes. say it's yeah. worth you it a good you got a good rami solo too right Rob, this rami ja- rami jaffe touring with them for the first time on keyboards before he's a member proper so yep Mm. very yeah very good point very good point it goes into track six which is next year anything andrew here about next year not really it's the first time i heard this song because i didn't really know too many songs from uh like there's nothing left to lose until you know more recently so i heard this song and i was like oh that's cool i never heard this song before i had heard most of the other ones so it was kind of neat but no, I don't. Th- I think don't think it's all that different from the, uh, you know, the recording from the studio album. Mm. Marissa, what do you think of of hearing next year in the live set? Yeah, kind of the same. I guess I wasn't expecting it. I, I again, though, knowing that they were kind of pulling, you know, the softer s- songs from their repertoire and and trying, you know, and and feeding them into the to the lineup um, makes sense. It wasn't my favorite, <laughs> but I, I don't know that like even the original recording, I was, you know, really on my, it's, it's, it's still, I was gonna say, it's still not one of my favorites either. Like yeah. it's, it's okay, it's but okay. it's, but it, like, it's, but at the same time, if you're pulling some stuff from previously, it's kind of cool to be able to like, oh, you're pulling something from like two albums ago that you probably won't play again. It's right. kind of neat to have that as like a, let's try it out in a different style. Let's see if it, if it like plays better. I don't right. Know. Just see if it works. You know, that's they're they're still a relatively young band. They're going to you know be playtesting a lot of things. I feel um, over time. I think they still do. There is no guarantee that every set list they put together is going to be gold. So you know, I think they just like to mix up the formula yeah. a little bit. I think this is a good example of it. Um, and then we get into track number seven. Look at that, almost halfway through already. Uh, another round, which I expected because, like I said, this is the tour following the release of In Your Honor. Um, interesting, though, that it's off of album two, which is the more acoustic album. So, Andrew, what do you think about that? Um, I think it's just like, I really thought it made sense to play this one there. And you've got the harmonica solo from uh, Danny Clinch, who has also directed the DVD. Right. 
so you have the so like you have the guy who's doing the concert film he's also comes out does a little harmonica solo goes back i think this was one of your favorites from in your honor if i remember correctly. it was yeah so yeah. i was i was happy with it so he was listening to me so you know my 2006 self was like could you maybe put this on the album he's like all right put the make sure to put this put one this on. in the set put this in the set list it, it, it's, it's a good one it's a good one marissa are you a fan of this song do you like it I don't, I mean, I don't know that it was like memorable to me. So I don't know that I'm going to have a lot of, a lot of uh, opinions to contribute. I think the thing that I liked about this one is that at least in the set list, it's a good transition to the next song, which um, I think is by far like one of the most classic, you know, romantic comedy songs that the Foo Fighters make, uh, Big Me, um, which when Andrew and I saw um, the Foo Fighters during the Broken Leg Tour, it was an ode to, uh, Dave's team that basically put up with him through all of his complaining about having a broken leg. And so they would flash stuff on screen of like him in the hospital bed, giving a thumbs up. They'd show like the x-rays of his leg completely shattered. And, oh my gosh. Just, you know, and just big me was the background to that one. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that what another thing I like about this one is that it's really just Dave and Petra Hayden, who is doing this, you know, vocals with the violin. So that was kind of cool to have just those two. And you don't really hear Dave with like a female vocalist really that much until like Medicine at Midnight. So really cool to have uh, that sort of structure. Like, you know, we had to wait another like 15 years for it to happen really again too much, but. Yeah, I, I also thought it was, it was interesting to hear the song in this arrangement. It, it definitely, um, brings out the folk country side of this like I, like I don't think I get that listening to the original recording but then like I I see how it can how it goes that way then after after listening to this to this arrangement so I thought that was that was fun and I imagine the kind of seeing it live um would have been a really cool you know cool experience oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a favorite between the the studio edition and this do you do you have a favorite arrangement um I think I'd go with the original but i can appreciate what they were doing with this arrangement for sure what about you andrew probably the original still but this is this one's still great go and listen to it like you know go go listen to both see what you think but i, I think the original still you know classic it holds up still oh yeah yes it still holds up. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the one and only Taylor Hawkins led song and song nine cold day in the sun. So Andrew, tell us about that one. I think this one sounds very similar to the original, but I think what's nice about this is in the show, Dave is giving the song to Taylor. So like I clearly during this tour, he's starting to do the thing where he's like, here's this great drummer who also can sing and then like steps aside, which he pretty much does. They do every show now. So it's kind of cool that like, oh, you start songs. to see some of that. He gets yeah. it. I think he got like two the last time I saw him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, so. he he's the front man of his own bands. So he could hold his own without question. Um, Marissa, were you a fan of Taylor Hawkins getting a spotlight on this one? Yeah, always. I mean, I think whenever whenever someone else in the band could could get a chance to <laughs> to to be in the limelight a little bit. And I mean, the the, the crazy, I mean, the crazy thing about the Foo Fighters and any, any band really that I always appreciated like, you know when you have that much talent a lot of them could do a lot of things you know so um always good to to see 
you know, everyone kind of getting a chance to showcase that. I agree. I mean, it's one of the most talented bands, I yeah. think. I mean, they, they, they just, their experiences without, uh, you know, equal and rock, I think at this point. So I'm a big fan. And then we get into track number 10 title track technically for this live album, skin and bones. Mm-hmm. Andrew is, do you think there's a reason why? I think we talked about this in the in your honor episode, that this is a great song. There was a B side. They put it out on the five songs in a cover. It was like a B side to DOA. This should have been on the record. I think we argued that, I think like maybe I think I argue that friend of a friend should probably be off of it or Virginia moon should have been removed from the album and they should have put this instead. Uh, so I feel like they felt that this song was good enough to hold its own. And so I think Dave was like, we need to play this song that most people haven't heard so that they, you know, the fans get something new when they, you know, are going to the show buying the CD. Um, so I, I think it's great that they do it. I love this version probably more than the the studio version because there's just so much energy with all of the people on stage uh and that really comes out you get the like the like a little bit of raucous with the with like the acoustic version so it gets exciting all right would you go so far as to say if in your honor were one lp that you would want skin and bones on that track listing of like let's say 12 songs maybe maybe i don't know which the i haven't thought about what songs i would Remove because in that case, I'd, it'd be tough. I'd want to like pull out a handful of songs from you know you got to pull out stuff from uh, from both albums and right. both albums are are great. It's a I think compromise. We tried to do this before and I did fail at it. Uh, we'll have to save that for the Patreon, I guess, <laughs> where I finally make a single version of In Your Honor. Uh, but There's yeah, a reason I why. would this would be a, it'd be a strong contender for the final album. I would say. Yes, I think there's a reason why it's a double LP is because there's that much good, you know, Foo Fighters music jam-packed into one session. So it only makes sense. And yes, I agree with you. I am glad that this got elevated to not only a title track for a live album, but that it's right in the meat of a live album. So a big thumbs up from me as well. Takes us into track 11, which is one of Brett's favorite songs. If you remember Brett, he was our guest for the discussion on Color and the Shape which I mean, makes perfect sense given his occupation, but also the, the logic he gave is still one of my favorite backgrounds, like personal connections to a song we've talked about. <laughs> so I will just ask, you know, point you to episode two of Walking After Foo. Can't tell you exactly what Minimark it's at, but just, you know, where, wherever it is in the track listing of that, um, definitely take a listen because the way he describes his, his love for that song is, uh, is just fantastic. But uh, Marissa, was there anything about February stars that you uh, particularly liked in this spot? Um, I don't know that I have anything to add. Um, I would be curious to listen to, to Brett's. Um, <laughs> it's good. To Brett's uh, background on it. Um, I think this, this might've been like, I mean, it's been such a long time because it was on, um, in your honor right um it's been such a color long in the shape the color in the shape that's what i meant um yeah this was the first time like, i've actually like listened to the song in a while um but i don't i don't know that i have anything to add too much there so, so we'll just say go go listen to episode go two listen to episode- you, wanna, you wanna pause on this one go listen there i think it's, it's, it's well worth it takes us into i mean one of the best food fire songs of all time times like these i think again like my hero if you haven't heard it 
you should again and again and again and again takes us into track 13 friend of a friend andrew anything you want to highlight on this one so at this point in the in the concert this is the beginning of the encore so everyone goes off and then uh dave just comes out by himself and i think for the most part it sounds like the version that they had uh in the dvd i think he talks a little bit about how he wrote that he wrote the song about you know that guy from nirvana um and i do think it's very kind of funny that they have two songs on here that are definitely explicitly nirvana related uh so it's just kind of like neat that he's like pulling the you know all of these songs out from the woodwork some of them that are on the album others that you know foo fighters never recorded what'd you think uh marissa having friend of a friend in the encore um, I mean, I think, I think it worked well. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess I was surprised that it was in the encore. I probably would have thought it comes sooner if it was going to be on the, on the set at all, but. I think it's a way for Dave to give his band a break. Personally. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we just blew through 12 songs and you know what they need, they need a breather. I can, I can knock out friend of a friend, uh, by myself and we bring him back in. For the next two songs, which would probably be to no one's surprise, if you've been waiting to for us to say, well, where are Best of You and Everlong? Well, here they are. <laughs> so one one two punch to to end the proper set, um, and I'm pretty sure that's how they do it nowadays, or at least Everlong is in, is, is in the encore at this point. I think they both are at this point. Yeah. Or if, so. if not, or if Best of You isn't, it's it's the end of the it's the end of the main set. Right. It's, it's right near the end. I mean, it's, it's the two songs people pay to sing. It's, it's, it fills seats. At <laughs> yeah. For real. <laughs> no question. Well, that's the CD version. Of course, the yeah. DVD version, um, you know, it, it adds a couple of other, uh, you know, little pieces here and there. So we'll just, we'll quickly run through what those extra uh, little bits are um, starting from the top. So before there's Razor, there's a six minute introduction. Um actually a little instrumental introduction that dave does uh, which is very cool um then you have razor then over and out still but then it goes into on the mend uh on on the dvd version um i don't know Andrew, if there's anything you want to highlight on this one no i think this one's pretty similar to the to the original that's on the in your honor album yep that then takes us into Walking After You, which we already have in the CD version. But then in between Walking After You and Marigold, there's the song Still, um, which is a really nice inclusion there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And then we've got uh, Marigold to My Hero. Then we actually get uh, Next Year in between My Hero and Another Round. After Another Round, they go into See You before Cold Day in the Sun. Uh, transitions right into Big Me as the CD does. Following after that, uh, uh, exclusive to the DVD, eight minute 36 version of What If I Do, followed by, of course, Skin and Bones. And then in between Skin and Bones and February Stars, Ain't It the Life. And then from there on, it's all the same. But that is that is the, the live album uh, in a nutshell. You know, a lot of what you already know, some of uh, which is pretty surprising. But uh, final thoughts, Andrew? I think I'm curious to know which of these tracks was your favorite from the album and it not that it necessarily has to be better than the original but which is your favorite uh skin and bones version of uh, a foo fighter song Mm. they have here that's a good question i probably would go with 
You know what? I mean, not necessarily my favorite song on the album, but just because it's a different kind of arrangement, Big Me. You know, I mean, that, that's that's a whole that's a whole thing with live shows. You, you do want to hear the songs as you've heard them on on the recording. But if you're so used to the song, if you're so familiar with it, hearing a different arrangement by the band um, is cool, too. So I'm going to go with Big Me. Marissa, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to go for uh, one of the more well-known tracks, um, but only only because it sincerely is one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs for all eternity ever long. Um, and I think that this is probably, I don't know if it's the first time that they arranged it acoustically or not. I mean, I, I, I don't know the history behind it. You guys are probably know better than I, but just the, uh, to hear it in an acoustic arrangement, I think when I heard it that way, the first time my mind was blown because I had only ever listened to the, 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 the original recording of it. And, uh, I don't know. I think it just gets even even more to the to the raw part of that song. Just hearing oh, it that. acoustically. I don't know. Something oh, yeah. about it. I'm just like, oh yes. <laughs> it feels so real. Ever, yeah, it feels. I don't know. I'm gonna go with Everlong. I like All it. Right. I like it. Uh, mine from the CD is gonna be My Hero. I just thought that was such a great version. Uh, I love the, that they have the piano cover and uh, you know solo in there. Uh, it was also the single for the like the when you like ordered it on iTunes, the, like the, the pre-order version, like you get the one song before it comes out. Oh, this is uh, it? So that, that was, yeah, that was the, the song that they gave. So it, which was great and I loved it. Uh, but I have a second answer, which is a song that was on the DVD exclusively, which is the 12 minute version of See You, hmm. which is a song that we, I think we talked about it a little bit on the, on the color and the shape out episode, but it's really cool because it's a song that's all like seventh chords, which is makes it sound very jazzy. And he doesn't really, they don't do jazzy stuff. So it gave them this opportunity to really extend it and showcase everyone. So they use that opportunity to like, here's this guitar, you know, here's Pat Smear on guitar. Here's Chris Shiflett on guitar. Here's Nate's going to lay down a, you know, a little walking bass. We're having, there's like a funny thing where they're like, he's yelling at, the percussionist to like play some like find the, uh, the right percussion instrument that fits for a solo in the uh where he he ends up on like a cowbell just like sort of dancing at the cowbell which is very funny but it's like a very joyful song that in an album that's particularly heavy uh like color and the shape it's really mm -hmm. fun to see that so that song made me go back and i think like i've said in a previous episode at one point just these guys they're just they're masters of their own instruments they are just showing off to the rest of the world just how good they can be um but there you go um highly recommended by everyone here on the podcast skin and bones the one and only live album by the foo fighters released november 7th 2006 right after in your honor right before echo silence patience and grace um, but that's going to do it for this uh b-sides edition of uh foo fires there's plenty more to come there's a lot more extras that they've released over the years and we're going to be diving into all of it um soon enough so from the music unsubscribe team my name is peter my name is andrew i'm marissa and we hope you enjoy have a great day we'll talk again soon take care <laughs>